time. Uh, let's start here, uh, probably verses 1 through 3. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. So there's several things here David is talking about. He said first he was waiting patiently for the Lord. Uh, and, and that's not an easy thing to do, is it? Is it easy when you're going through trials, you're going through troubles? It, it's one thing to wait. It's another thing to patiently wait. Um, I, I can't say that I'm a patiently waiter. Uh, I, I kind of get anxious waiting. I, I'm not a good, good waiting on something, no matter what it is. And it, it's a, it is a struggle, isn't it? it? It's something where, I mean, especially if you're right in the middle of something. And David is talking about being right in the middle of, of a horrible pit, uh, a miry clay. I mean, he, he's just, he, he just kind of stuck here. And uh, he's, he's, only God can get him out. You know, it, it's not anything else. He can't get himself out of this. When I was reading this, I was thinking about when... Uh, uh, I got took uh, frog gigging with Bryce and Drew and Jack. And after we went around one pond, we went over to an area on their property, and we're going through the gate, and I've got these waders on going through there, and I get stuck in the mud. And, you know, at first there wasn't a lot of help. There's a lot of laughter. But after that, I realized, you know, they're going to have to do something. I can't get myself out of this. You know, you, you're, once you're stuck down in it, it's just like suction cups. It just, it just sticks to you, doesn't it? I mean, you can't do anything about it. And that, when I was reading this, that's what I was thinking about. You know, you think about that in the instance in which David considered himself. And we've all been stuck like that, walking, trying to walk through stuff. You get marred down in it, and you just, I mean, you just can't do anything. And that's what David is saying about the struggles he's in, the sins that he's in, all of these things that, that are attached. He's just stuck there, and he's crying out to God that God's the only one that can get him out of that. And as he says here, he says, he inclined to me. He, it, it's this image, uh, image of God reaching down to him so he can hear him, so he can help him. It's not that God's up here away from him. David said he's actually taking notice of me and he's inclining down to me to, to pull me out of this. So David's in this despair. He's in, uh, he has all this around him. He can't get out himself. And he says, this is what God did. He heard my cry. He's inclined to me. And notice he says, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. And I'm glad that Parker read, uh, sung this one tonight as we sang together. You know, he gave me a song. David is saying he took me out of this misery, out of this hopelessness that I couldn't get myself out of. He sets me on the rock and he gives me a new song. Now think about what, what David is saying here. He's given me something to, to praise about and to, to enjoy. and to. Uh, he says, my whole world is just different now. It, it's a new song. Now I don't believe David is saying that we need to have a new song every day to, to feel good about what's going on in our lives. But you think about what he's saying God gave him here is a, a reason to have a new song. It's like a new lease on life. It's just like, uh, you know, there's a lot of times that I, that's why I always enjoyed our singing class that, that Titus did. I, I mean, I can't really carry a tune in a bucket, but I always enjoyed that 
because he always introduced some new song. And in doing that, just the excitement of learning that song and, and, and doing that, because sometimes you can get bogged down. You ever had a song that, that you know, you're, you're getting ready to sing and you're wanting to praise God, you're thinking, this old song, this one, won't we sing something different or won't we do something different? And sometimes you get in that mentality. David is saying here, it's not like an old song that you've just got in a rut singing, that your life's in this way. God just gave him a new song now, something to really praise about, something to get excited about. So he's saying his life is different now because what God has done for him. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. But he also says here, praise to our God, many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. So just picture, what's the purpose of our singing when we come together collectively? Yeah, you, you praise God. What else is it? You edify, you teach and admonish. So that's why it's important to understand what we're singing, to sing loud, because we're, we're teaching uh, and admonishing with the words that we're saying, right? Well, David is saying here, this new song, that's what it's doing. He, he, he's singing a new song in a way to where he's praising God. Many will hear it, they'll fear God, and they'll trust in Him. So he's saying it's not only changing his life, but it's gave him a kind of a new lease on life to where he's praising God in a way that others around him can hear it and he can influence them to do the same thing. See, that's exactly how we should be as Christians, isn't it? Realize what God's doing for us. Realize what he has done, what he is doing, what he's going to do to put that kind of attitude and joy in us, not only for our own benefit, for all those that can see around us. Take, for example... Um, uh, I've lost it. Paul and Silas. Remember when they were in the deepest part of the prison? What were they doing? They were singing. And because of their singing, and after the earthquake and everything, what happened? Yeah. And, and what happened after that? Yeah, the jailer. Do you think the jailer was converted because of the earthquake and he was scared? Do you think he was converted because he heard Paul and Silas singing and the joy that was in their life and he wanted to learn more about that? Do you think that had an influence on him by hearing them sing? Because it says everybody around could hear them singing. Do you think that made a difference in their lives? I mean, you're in prison and hear somebody singing praises to God. That may cause you to think a little bit. I think that's what David is talking about here. David is talking about to where he, he's in such a state of mind now that not only is it uplifted him, it can uplift uh, those that are around him. But, but notice where he says he's at. He says he's in this, uh, in this uh, miry mud here. And, and there's a lot of things. We could go through a lot of lists of things that we, just of the things that we know about David to know of some of the, the mud that he got himself into. Uh, but we can do this, have the same thing happen to us, can't we? Uh, we can have, uh, by some of the things that uh, we do, we, we can bring, as, as the Bible talks about, these sins that so easily beset us, that the Bible talks about taking off these weights, these things that hold us back, so we can run our race uh, in, in, a, in a better fashion, a more efficient fashion, that we can run better if we take these things off. I, I think that's the same thing that's talking about here. We get marred down to where we can't move like we should as Christians, because we're so marred up in the things that's happened. And it can be things that we bring on ourselves. It can be things that others bring upon us. Uh, the circumstance that happened. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Remember what Paul said? We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Does this sound like Paul finds himself in the middle of the, the muck a lot? You know, he went through a whole list one time of he was shipwrecked. He was in perils of this and perils of that. And, and all these things that happened uh, around him. He finds himself in all these circumstances. He finds himself in prison. But what did he do? He realized that just because he may physically be in those things... That doesn't mean his spirit and his mind and his emotions have to be there. That he can be uplifted and that's what God can do for us. And I think this is how we need to approach things. I, I've really enjoyed studying this song because it's, you know, you, you, you read these things of David and you see his character. You see uh, uh, how he does his life and you see the things he finds himself in. It's, it's very encouraging. But to me, you see this, it's, it's, it's David saying, okay, not only did I wait patiently and I cried out to God... This is where I was. This is what God is doing. And this is how it changed me. And I, and I think sometimes as Christians, we, I think we let, especially the denominational world, rob us of telling people how God has changed their lives. And here's what I mean by that. I think we're so afraid that we're going to sound denominational that it's hard for us to walk up to somebody and start talking to them about God and start telling them, this is what God has done for me. This is what, uh, how He's changed my life. This is how, uh, uh, where I was, and this is where I am now. How often do we do that? When we talk about having a Bible study with someone, when we talk about uh, talking to someone about the Bible, we go straight to doctrine, we go straight to, won't you come to church? Which, that's what saves. The, the, the doctrine, the gospel is what saves. Uh, it's God that draws individuals to, uh, uh, to Him. But the Bible talks about many times that how they, they began to tell individuals about other things that God has done. So what's wrong with doing that? That's what David is doing here. And I think sometimes, we're, I, I, maybe I'm speaking for myself, I'm uncomfortable sometimes talking like that. You know, when I talk, say, well, I talk to someone about about God or about Jesus, it's always about doctrine, it's always about uh, structure, it's always about worship. I don't know how many times it's actually about, let me tell you how He's changed my life. Let me tell you how this is where I was, this is where I am now, and this is what God has done. Shouldn't that be part of it? Shouldn't that be things that we tell Him? Because the world needs to know, this is how He changed my life. Not just this is what I've done. It should be this is what I've done because what He has done and this is how it has changed me. This is how I'm different now. Because if we can't offer something different, what are we offering? You know, if, it, if, it's not, if, if that life's not any different, and they may look and say, well, you go through the same problems I do, you have the same heartaches I do. Yes, but here's where it's different. Here's where I may be, the mud may be all around me, but I may be standing on the rock in the middle of it. I may be on a firm foundation. This is what God has done. I've got God inclined down and, and, and keeping me out of that. Because we live in a world of darkness. And David is saying, this is what God has pulled me out of, so this is what I'm going to do. He gave me a new song, I'm going to sing it. And I'm going to do it so others can see it, 
They'll fear God and they'll trust in Him because that's what makes the life different. And I think that's a wonderful thing that David finds himself uh, doing. And as we said, we find ourselves in that. And it may not be of our own doing. It may be because we're living right. That's what got uh, Paul in so much trouble is because he was living right. And because he was doing right and because he was standing up for it, then these are the things that come on him. But in the middle of it, he said, I'm still going to sing praises. You know, I'm still, I'm still going to, to let the world know God is still ruling in my life. And he's still a part of my life. And, and I think that's a, maybe that's an important aspect of Christianity that we don't put a lot of importance on. You know, we, uh, it's like I heard a, a preacher say one time, and it was a, some lectureship, and I can't remember where it was now. But I remember him saying, it's like we live in a, we're renting a house, and, and things are happening, but we act like we don't know the landlord. You know, we're just wringing our hands and we're acting like we don't know him when we should know who he is. And I think that's what happens as, as Christians sometimes. I think that's what we find ourselves in. Any thoughts about this? Comments? Yeah, and, and I always, you'll hear me word it this way a lot of times, hearing, giving hearing to the gospel. You know, something, something draws them in. It's the gospel that draws them in. But you look at Jesus as he tells parables, as he tells these things, goes, especially the Sermon on the Mount, when you see all the things that he does, it's, it, it's him drawing them in to say, okay, here's how you act different. You know, here's, here's how you're different. This is what you're seeing the world do. This is how you act different. And if you do that, those around you is going to see. And well, what made you start acting like this? What made you start thinking like this? What made you talk like this and dress like this and, and, and be like this? Then you've opened the door. Now here's what changed my life. Here's what actually saved me. Here's how I act now that I'm saved. Here's how I am now that I'm, I'm, I'm like this. Here's what got me to that. So it, it, it's that whole process there. And, and I think that's what we're seeing with David. That's, that's the, to me, the Christian life. We're in the mire. We're crying out to God. It, it's about obedience as we're going to get in, into in a minute. And God puts us on the rock, and he gives us a new song to sing. We're not singing that same old song of the world. We've got a new song, and that's the one that God gave us. And that's different than any other, and that's a reason to, to praise him. Uh, look at verses four and five. He says, blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside the lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, 
They are more than can be numbered. So he, he talks about, okay, you're living this way, and if you start really thinking about God thinking of us, and not only thinking of us, but the things in which he does, there's no way to number it. David said in one psalm, remember, who is man that you should, what? Pay attention to him. Who, who are we that you would even think of us? And now he takes it even farther and he's saying, not only that, when I start thinking about all the, one, that you're thinking of me, but two, all the things that you're doing, there's no way that I can even number it. So with all the, the suffering that David finds himself in, with all the pain and even the sin of his own life and even all the wicked that's around him, he says, I can't number the good things that you do. So he's realizing those things well outweigh any bad that's happened. And I tell you, you, you look at David, it's almost like he's on a totally different level now. It's almost like his aha moment. It, it, it's showing to where he, you really see that he's a man after God's own heart. He's not only seeking to obey God, he's seeking to be as close to God as he can be. And he's noticing that God is as close as he can be. He even talks of, he didn't just say he heard my cry, he inclined to me and heard my cry. He, he is, uh, he's inclined down. I was reading a quote on the wall. Believe it or not, they had some quotes on the wall of the hospital down by the maintenance room when you're waiting to go in the morgue door. I was looking at different quotes from different people, and there was one quote that said, only look down on people if you're helping them up. And, and I thought about that. I thought, that, that's, that's a pretty good saying. You know, don't ever look down on somebody, but there's times that you should, and those times are the times you should be helping somebody up. And he's saying that's what God is doing. He, he's not only up there, he, he's inclined down. He wants to be close to us. Now, there's only, we've got to live in a certain way for God to be close to us because God is holy. So that's where we have to have that realization. That's where we have to realize, okay, I've got to be obedient to God because He wants to be close to me. I should want to be close to Him, but there's only one way that's going to happen. And that's through obedience to Him because God is holy and that's the only way that He can be close to us. So I think that's what David is, is looking at here. And... Uh, uh, he says again, if I could declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Um, it comes down, notice he says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not respect the proud. Who, in other words, are too proud and rebellious to get close to God. And he says we're going to be blessed. The Bible tells us all spiritual blessings are in Christ. So that's through, through that obedience. So we have to be in such a way to where we want to be doing what God says. I don't want to miss out on those blessings. Have you ever thought about that? How many blessings we may have missed out on just simply because of our actions. You know, there could have been some, some great blessing in something. One, by our actions we didn't receive it. Or two, we didn't want to go through this and uh, we tried to avoid it with everything that we could and maybe that's where our greatest blessing was, right in the middle of where we didn't want to be. Because we thought it was too hard. We thought it was too upsetting. We thought it was something that I can avoid by doing it my own way. And realizing God's way leads us right through that difficult path. But we want to stray over here because we want to miss it for all that it's worth. Well, sometimes we have to go through that to get to where we need to be. And that's not an easy decision to make. You know, when, when you decide to do right, you decide to do right no matter what the circumstances are, and that, that's a hard choice to make. 
It's easy to stand up here and say it, but, but that's a hard choice to make. Because that's why the Bible says we all sin and fall short of the glory of God because our nature is to want to not go through that. We want to shy away from that. But again, if we give up our will and start doing God's will, then we don't do what we want to do. We do what He says to. And that puts us in a different place. That's what puts us on the rock. That's what keeps us out of the sand when the storm comes and keeps our house from falling is when we hear His word and do it as Matthew chapter 7 tells us. And again, it's, it's, I think it's a process. I think we learn to get there. I don't think it happens overnight. Just because I come up out of that water doesn't mean I can face everything that's coming at me all at one time. Well, you look at Paul, I'd put Paul up there pretty high. You remember what Paul said? I, do the, I don't understand it, but I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I should be doing. It's a constant battle between the carnal and the spirit. It's a constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. He said, I don't need to walk by sight. I need to walk by faith. It was a constant battle for him. So why wouldn't I think it would be for us? You know, I think we really do ourselves a disservice, especially when... Uh, I, I, I was in a Bible study with someone one time, or I went with someone who was having a Bible study, and they were having a Bible study with this, it was a younger person, and they were wanting to obey the gospel, and uh, as, uh, as we were studying, I understand this point. He was wanting to get across that obedience is important and do this for the right reasons, and repentance is important. I, I get that part. But I bet if he said it one time, he said it 20 times at least. He said, you know after you do this, if you sin, you've got to repent or you're going to lose your soul. If you sin after doing this, you're going to lose your soul if you don't He just kept saying it over and over and over again. And I finally stopped and I told this young man, I said, listen, let me give you just a little small advice. You're going to sin. It's going to happen. You know, you're... The very best that you do, you're still going to sin. Repentance is important, but as long as you're walking in the light as His in the light, that blood's going to keep cleansing you. You know, it, I, he was getting scared to death at that point, and he was backing out because he said, I can never do that. And I said, we can't do it on our own. It, it, it's God that does that. You know, it, it, it's God that, that gets us through that, you know. And, and I think we need to make sure that we're, we're telling individuals this. I had a deacon one time that went to me, went with me to a Bible study. It was my uncle before he passed away, my dad's brother. And we were talking, and my uncle said to me, he, he was uh, like my father. He, he had drank all the life that I knew him anyway. And he was saying, well, what if I, what if I slip up and I, I have a drink? What if I slip up and I have a drink? And, and I just told him, I said, I'll answer that for you. You're going to. You, you can't drink for... 50 years and wake up tomorrow and not have a craving for it. There's just no way that you're going to do that. Now, is it all right to do it? No. Is it going to take time for you to not want to do that anymore with God's help and Christian's help around you as you do it? Yeah, 
it, you can get to that point. And I tell you, I found myself two days later in front of the elders with this deacon and them saying, I told this man that it's all right to drink, that you could drink as a Christian. I never said that. But I felt like I was honest with him and saying, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and not have a craving to do it. And you're not going to wake up one day and, and slip up. You know, I, I think you would get easier not to. I mean, did I, did I say wrong? I think this is the same thing. I, I think we've got to realize there is a change that happens in us and we've got to live a different life, but just because I come up out of the water doesn't mean I don't have the same temptation I had before I went down in the water. It's just how I handle it is different. And I've got more help behind me because now I'm walking in the light. I'm not walking out of the light. I'm not sinning willfully anymore. I, I, I'm actually going in the direction He wants me to. But when I sin willfully, then there remains no more sacrifice for me. It, it, it's a process, you know. We've got to do, and I've heard John, and he's helped me a lot over years listening to this part. I've heard him say over and over, do the best that you're able to do, and, and don't be so hard on ourselves. Now, it's not free, as Paul says, it's not, uh, should we continue in sin that grace may abound? That's not it at all. But we've got to realize it, it is a process, that we will find ourselves in situations, as David did, as Bert was saying, you know, look at what David went through. Look at the things that Paul went through, said he struggled with. It's about now we're different. We're singing a new song different than we were singing before. We're not doing the same things that we were doing before. When we fall into certain things, now there's something that we're doing different. We've got a way out of it now. We didn't have a way out of it before. We stayed right in the middle of it, and we were sinking every single time. Now we're not sinking anymore. We may get stuck in the mud some, and God has to get us out of that mud, but we're not sinking. That's the difference, isn't it? You remember when Peter, when he stepped out of the boat, he had enough faith to get out of the boat, and he did start sinking. Jesus didn't say to him, O ye with no faith. What did Peter have? Little faith. And remember what Jesus said? There's a lot we can do with little faith. There's a lot you can do with a faith the size of a mustard seed. Peter had some growing to do. Peter still had a temper. Peter still had a mouth. Peter still had an attitude. There's a lot of things that Peter had to overcome in that process, even after he was picked, right? So there was that process that went through, but Jesus got him exactly where he needed to be, where he stood up there on the day of Pentecost with other 11, and he preached that powerful sermon, where he even went to Cornelius, which was an... I mean, that could have got him in all kinds of trouble going to a Gentile. He didn't even want to go when he seen the vision. But he was ready to do it then, wouldn't he? Because he was prepared to. But it didn't happen overnight. You know, it, it took some process. So I think that's what we see out of David. That's what we see out of the things that we study, especially here with David. We're seeing to where David says, I find myself in the mud here, but I got something different now. I can cry out to God. And I can change and sing this new song. And God's going to put me on the rock. And I, I think that's a wonderful thing. And he says here, here's all the things that God does for you. You know, they're too nu numerous to mention. And those are the things that's going to change our hearts. Those are the things that's going to change our life. When we start enjoying those blessings, then these temptations won't be as hard as they were. You know, these, these things that we faced before, because one, we won't put ourselves in those situations as, as, as much and try to stay away from those things. But two, we'll get to the point where we desire Him more than we desire that. And that's what we're all striving for.
Any thoughts about that? I know I got up on the soapbox just a little bit, but um, I think that's a pivotal part for a Christian, isn't it? I think that's where we have to come to that realization, and we have to come to that when we're talking to individuals. You know, I think sometimes we can bring more to the gospel with that new song than we can sometimes with, well, it's a miserable life. It's going to be awful, and boy, if you slip up, you're hitting hell wide open. Which way we're going to give somebody hearing of the gospel? I think it's a it, it's a little different, and we may be seeing the truth. In essence, either way, I think it's how we approach it and the attitude we have to it. If all we look at is what we're giving up, we'll never look at what we're gaining. And gaining is a whole lot more than what we're giving up. But at first, sometimes we want to look back. Oh, look at what I'm losing. Look at what I'm doing. And we want to turn, be on that plow and turn around. He says, you've got to be able to hold that plow and not look back. Not look back at where it was. Look at where you're going. But we've got somebody directing us uh, different this time. Um, look at verses uh, 6 through 8. It says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Now, when you look about, look where he says, sacrifice and offering you did, uh, you did not desire, and he says, you opened my ears. You know, you think back uh, of, uh, was it 1 Samuel 15 with Saul? Where Saul, remember they made this, they kept out the good stuff to make sacrifices too. Remember what Samuel said, that God desired obedience rather than sacrifice. Now, this isn't saying that God never has demanded sacrifice or offerings. We know all through the Old Testament, that's, that's what he said to do. I, I don't believe that's what David is saying here, and we're going to get in a little bit further of the implications of it. I think he's saying if, if, if I'm only doing that out of uh, duty, is that enough? What, what about... If, if my heart is for obedience, to obey God no matter what, that's what he desires. He desires obedience from the heart, not just sacrifice. That's why, you know, it says, I mean, when it comes to taking away sins, could, could burnt offerings or sacrifices take away sins? You know, we talk about them rolling forward. I don't believe that's exactly what they do is roll forward. I think everything that they did was predicated on the fact of Jesus dying. And when he, he died, I think... When they made those sacrifices, it's kind of hard to explain. They're, they're forgiven, but it's based on the fact of Christ dying when he came to die. I, I don't think they said, okay, I'm going to make this sacrifice, but, I, but uh, if I was to die now, I'm going to, go, I'm going to lose my soul until Jesus dies. When he dies, then God's going to pop me out of torment and put me in paradise. Is, is that what happened? Well, of course not. It was all based on the fact of Christ coming. And David is saying something here uh, as he goes on and, and talks about this. This is much more than uh, just David uh, saying this. This, this goes a, a, a lot farther. Who actually uh, fulfills this, of course, is Christ. I think David is, and it's a couple ways. Either David is prophesying just about Christ or... Or David is 
is saying this about himself and it applies to Christ. But actually Christ is the one who actually can fulfill this. But let's read just a little bit farther. Uh, let's go through uh, verses 9 through 12 and then we'll, we'll back up and talk about this a little bit. He said, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I did not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. He says, For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken, overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Now, as we look at this, uh, let's look at uh, Hebrews. Did I put Hebrews on there? Hebrews 10. Let's look at Hebrews 10 just a moment. I put notes here, and I'm not good at following my notes. But um, Notice how the Hebrew writer puts it as he's quoting uh, parts of Psalm 40 here. He says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offering for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He has taken away the first, that he may establish the second. By that we have been sanctified through the offering of his body of Jesus Christ once for all. So you see here that as, as this applies to Christ, and there's some that says it doesn't apply to Christ because he talks about iniquities here. They said that part doesn't talk about him. But... In essence, I think it would, because when Christ went to the cross, He bore the sins for all of us, didn't He? He didn't bore His sins. He had no sin, but the reason He went to the cross is to take all of mankind's sins. So when He talks about these things being around Him and iniquity, that's exactly what He's talking about. Uh, and, he, and He talks about how sin and sacrifice, He says, sacrifice and offerings you do not desire, verses 6, 8 of Psalms 40. He says, you have opened my ears and burnt offerings and sins you do not require, um, he says, I will delight in your will. You know, I, I heard somebody explain it this way one time, and, and I've never really thought of it this way, but I think it applies, is where Jesus talks about doing God's will, it, it can be taken two different ways. One, he's doing what God wants him to do, but actually he's doing God's will. And that's what the new covenant is, his last will and testament, isn't it? I'm coming to fulfill your will, your testament, your, your, your new covenant. I'm, I'm coming to do this. This, you know, burnt offerings and sacrifices, yeah, that's, that's what you have, but that's not what you desire now. You desire that obedience from the heart. That, that new will says this is what it is. And Jesus says that's the will I'm going to do. That's the will we're to follow. We're to deny our will, what we want to do, but now we do his will. Um, and that's what David is saying here too. I think in essence it does apply to David, but ultimately Jesus is the one that fulfills that. But David is saying here, okay, I'm singing this new song. I've got this new outlook at life. He says, my ears you have opened. And uh, I've read some Bible scholars that says this goes back to where 
the servant would serve out their time, but they would have their come up to the porch and they'd have their ear pierced to say, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. Well, that could apply, but I don't think that's what David is talking about, that kind of service. I think he's talking about, now you have actually dug out my ears to where I truly hear what I need to hear so I can follow you the way that you need me to follow, to have the obedience that you need me to have uh, that actually comes from the heart. I think, again, it goes back to David actually doing... uh, God's will and it coming more from the heart. Again, him being a man after God's own heart. In other words, he's striving for it. He's after it. He's, he's wanting to attain it. Get as close as he can to it. And I think that's what you see here. But if we go back to verses 9 and 12, and I'm going to have to hurry up here, uh, we see here basically as David, uh, David is saying, uh, this is what you have done. This is where you have, have gotten me to. And... I'm going to be different because of it. But notice how David ends it, and I think it's pretty interesting uh, how he ends it here. He says, uh, verses 13 and following, he says, Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. He goes back to what he did before. These people coming after me, you need to take care of that. Make sure what they're trying to do doesn't happen. He said, let them be driven backwards and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Then he says in uh, uh, verses 16 and 17, and we'll end here, of course. He says, let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continue, the Lord be magnificent. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. So to me, I think you see, and I, I, that's why I wanted to kind of stop here. I thought it was a good stopping place to uh, let, let Psalms rest for a little while. Is, you know, all these things that we, we've been seeing in these different Psalms of David crying out, of David saying this is what God uh, is doing. This, this Psalm here is kind of the culmination, if you will, of, of David saying, okay, I'm... I'm marred up in it, but God got me out of it. And here's what I'm going to do, and here's how I'm going to live. Here's the new song he gave me, and I'm going to proclaim it to those that are around so they will fear God and they'll trust in God. So guess what? They can have the same relationship with God that I have, and they can see how wonderful it is. And I think that's what we still today ought to be proclaiming to the world. I was marred up in it and sinking. Here's what God did. I still find myself getting stuck from time to time. I still have problems from time to time. But as long as I strive to follow God, I'm seeking after His heart, this is what God's always going to do for us. And I think that's how you change the world. Because the world looks at it and says, I keep doing the same thing and I keep getting the same results. My life is just awful. And then they see us being different in similar circumstances and it caused them to say, how do you do that? What makes it so different for you? And we have that opportunity to tell them. And I think that's a wonderful thing uh, to do. Any thoughts or comments on Psalms 40? Oh, I have two, and we're going to keep going through them. Uh, I've had a couple of people ask about a, just a couple of topics that would take a few lessons. But if you've got any particular topic that you would, would want to study, 
for a night or two. Uh, just let me know and we'll do that. But we'll get back into the songs, but we're going to take just a little bit of break, uh, break in it so we don't get uh, uh, too much to it where we might get tired of it. And you may already get tired of my teaching on it so far, but we are going back to it. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed it so far. <laughs> 